Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. Welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast, where we explore how you can get some more color, creativity, and healing in your everyday life. We get to look at the spectrum of eating, living, feeling, and creating that you're all about. So let's dive into the inspiration and information rainbow that awaits us. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Deanna Minnick. So glad to have you back for the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast. In this particular session, I'm interviewing Dr. Trevor Cates. Dr. Cates is a naturopathic physician who has struggled a bit growing up with her skin, and that led to the unfolding of a beautiful path forward, which was all about helping people to heal their skin, feel good in their skin. She does that with her her entire platform of offerings, her book, Clean Skin from Within. She's known as the Spa Doctor and has even created her own line of personal care products. So listen in as we talk about all things skin. And what's interesting about skin is that it's reflective of so many of our emotions. It really lets through our colors in more than one way. And when we don't feel good in our skin, we want to do something about it. So in this talk, I think that you're going to find some things that you can do. Take care. Enjoy the talk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Color Can Heal Your Life podcast. My guest today is Dr. Trevor Cates, and we are going to have a conversation about something that I think plagues many of us. It's about feeling good in our skin and what we can do to have healthy skin and and feel really full of self-esteem because I think that that's really what skin is all about, is really the sense of who we are on the outside so welcome, Trevor. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you. It's great to be here with you. Wonderful. So I know I kind of have this uh, very interesting question every time I talk with people, and that is, what is your favorite color? My favorite color, well, I have a couple, but my, I would say my very top favorite is green. And I think it's just because um, I love the color green. There's something about it that really lights me up. But also just because it's the color of nature. Yes. (laughs) Hopefully you see green, depending upon the time of year. In Park City, where I live, sometimes it's all white. But I do love the color green because of nature. Interesting. And with you being a naturopathic doctor, you know, the the resonance with healing, with harmony, with nature, that really makes sense to me. I've often found that when I'm surveying audiences and I ask them what their favorite color is, whenever it's an audience of healers, it just seems like there's a preponderance of green. So you kind of fit that. (laughs) Right. And I know you can't see me right now, but I'm wearing green, of course. (laughs) Ah, okay. Perfect. So uh, you're, we're all aligned here on, on that color. Super. Well, you know, there are even studies on the color green. I don't know if you've uh, seen these or explored them to any great extent, but um, being in green light and just being exposed to to the color green can help to increase our heart rate variability. So it actually has some effect on the heart, which I think is uh, really fascinating considering that it's connected to health and healing. Yeah, absolutely. That is fascinating. Yeah. So I want to know more about you. You know, we were just chatting briefly before we got on and we, we kind of know each other from a variety of different circles and, um, 
you know, everybody has a deeper story underneath. And so kind of like skin, you know, we can go on the surface or we can go much deeper. So I'm kind of curious about you and your path and how did you venture into the healing arts and how did you then get into a focus on spa and skin? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, when I was a kid, I had a lot of health challenges as a child. I had, for me, it was, I had a lot of skin issues and a lot of it had to do with more allergy related thing. I had allergies, so I had eczema, hives, had these mysterious little bumps that would appear for no apparent reason. And so my parents took me to see a lot of different specialists, a lot of doctors who gave me different medications, who tried allergy shots. We uh, had my tonsils taken out. Um, my my skin was one of the biggest things that was for me a message about what was going on internally. So I would definitely I would I at the time I couldn't make the connection as especially as a kid of why I would get these itchy rashes. But um, you know, and the medications that the doctors would give me would maybe temporarily make me feel a little bit better. But then I would start to have adverse reactions and I developed even allergies to those medications. So then I just kept feeling worse. And one of the big things that I noticed with skin is that, especially as a kid, I was around 11 years old, it's it's not easy to hide. And it's, it's hard to go out and be around your peers and feel self-conscious, you know, as a, especially as an 11-year-old. I remember how hard it was and how I just wanted to stay home and I didn't want to go anywhere. And, and I was so self-conscious. And so it, it affected me on a physical level because I was I just felt miserable, especially with the side effects of the medications that would make me feel drowsy or wound up or, uh, you know, I'd start developing allergic reactions to. Um, and then on an emotional level, I just, I, I had no self-esteem and it affected the way I showed up at school and I was bullied a lot by the mm-hmm. other kids. Um, so luckily, my parents kept searching for answers for me. And eventually they found a holistic practitioner that they took me to. And that's when things really started to change for me. And I I remember thinking as a kid, when we found this practitioner, I thought, why, why didn't we do this sooner? Why isn't everybody practicing this way? And, and so I always was interested from a really young age from, so when I started to physically feel better and emotionally, I felt better and, uh, you know, could join the other kids and do all the other things the kids were doing. I wasn't sick all the time. That was amazing for me. And I kind of put it on the back burner. And when I was in college, I actually saw a program on TV on naturopathic medicine and I thought, wow, this is exactly the kind of medicine that I've been, that I believe in and that I know has been really helpful for myself and my family. And so I started to look down that path and that's when I decided to go to naturopathic medical school. I had to go back and do all my pre-med requirements and all of that. But um, I graduated from the National University of Natural Medicine in 2000. And so went into to private practice in, in California. I was the first woman licensed as a naturopathic doctor in the state of California because I was very involved in the, the politics of, of that and, and helping um, the licensure pass in the state of California. Um, and then we eventually moved to Utah. And I started working, when I moved to Utah, Park City, Utah, I started working in 
certain spas. I started working at uh, Waldorf Astoria Spa, and then also later on worked at St. Regis. And so there I became known as the spa doctor. And that's when I, so now it's like kind of become sort of my brand and my, my nickname and um, the name of my skincare line and all of that. But what was interesting about that, being in the spa, is that I was doing a two-week program, and it was really designed more for weight loss. And But one of the things that my patients and the people participating in the program kept saying was that they lost weight and they felt better, but they also noticed changes in their skin. Mm-hmm. And to me, it didn't surprise me because I had noticed that from a really early age, that connection between our health and our skin and our lifestyle choices. But I realized that not many people think of skin in the same way that I did. Mm-hmm. So that's what I realized I wanted to really focus in on that and get that message out about skin being our magic mirror and it giving us great information about our overall health. And when we restore our health, we can improve our health in a, a lot of different ways, including our skin. Wow. What a whirlwind. You know, I I always love listening to people's stories that involve, you know, kind of going way back into their own personal world, finding a solution, and then feeling like they bring that out in a variety of different ways. And you did that. I'm kind of curious if we just go back a bit into when your parents brought you to a holistic practitioner. What did that, was the holistic practitioner an ND, a naturopathic doctor? You know, I wish I knew more. It was so long ago, and I've I've asked my parents, "Do you know where this person is? You know, you like, do you know?" Mm-hmm. They don't even really know much about her anymore. But um, I don't know if she had an. It, she was not an naturopathic doctor. I would have remembered that because when I saw the program on TV, it was the first time I'd ever heard of what naturopathic medicine was. Um, I I think that uh, you know, I know she used homeopathy. And, hmm. And diet, lifestyle, I'm not exactly sure what her degree was in. If she yeah, no, I was just one. curious if that was kind of the portal know. in. But um, yeah. so what did she do? What, what were some of the things that you had to do at that age? Because I'm assuming that you were a teenager at that time. And, you know, if you weren't bullied for your skin and how you looked, oftentimes you get bullied for being different and eating different and doing things differently in your life. So what did yeah. you do and what, what really transformed you through that process? Yeah, so what I mean, one of her primary tools was homeopathy. And it was uh, so when she's when she sat down with me, and she started talking to me, one of the biggest things I remember at that young age, it was again, it was a long time ago, um, was that she just really focused on listening to me. And she spent over an hour with me. And I thought, well, this is ridiculous. This appointment, I've never had a doctor pay this much attention to me and ask me all these questions and she would she wasn't just asking me about my skin or my allergies she was asking you about about my more things about having to do with my personality what I my likes my dislikes you know what I like to eat and what I did all these different things that nobody asked me about and I I felt I think that was part of what was so unique about it to me and, and mm. transformational for me is that somebody actually took some time to listen. And um, the homeopathy, of course, was one of those things where my, it was one of those things where my family and our, it was not something we'd heard of. And so it was different to us, but we were certainly willing to try it because we tried everything else. So why not? It's not going to hurt. Um, so definitely that helped. And I think that was a big 
part of this shift. And I think the, uh, some of the other things that were happening at that time is that even though I lived on an organic farm in Virginia, my parents grew everything there and we, you know, we had this beautiful farm and everything and we ate pretty healthy, but I had, I consumed a lot of dairy. I drank a lot of milk and because we thought that was a healthy food. And so I realize now that that was one of my big trigger foods. And, you know, it took me a little while longer to figure that out. And then also the home that we lived in had a mold problem. And uh, so that was another thing that we realized. Yeah. So are those common threads that you now see with patients that that's really common? So if they have breakouts, allergies, eczema, whatever the, the issue is with their skin, do you find that there are just some general things that apply to most people? And would those yeah. two things that you just mentioned, would that fall into that bucket? Yeah, definitely. There are certain triggers that definitely that cause the skin to to manifest in different ways. For me, it was eczema. For other people, it's psoriasis. It's a, a rosacea, um, you know, acne, premature aging. There are a lot of different things that can happen with the skin. Sometimes people have rashes or bumps that they don't even know what it is. It's never been diagnosed with anything. Um, but yes, there are definitely certain environmental triggers, food triggers that will that tend to trigger the skin problems and for me it was those two main things were really the big issue for me but that's not necessarily the same for everybody there are different things that can be i mean in my book clean skin from within i talk about 10 different foods to eliminate because i find that these are 10 top the top 10 trigger foods and then i also talk about how to have a clean body how to eliminate some of the toxins in your environment mold being one of those things but there are certainly a lot of other things in our environment that can trigger health and skin issues talk about the the personality aspects a bit so it sounds like that was part of your own healing journey really getting to the the bottom of who you were as a person at that time when you were a teenager, being heard, being listened to. How does psychology and maybe the stresses that we encounter in our everyday lives, how does that manifest in the skin? Do you, how do you see that vis-a-vis the food aspects and the food triggers? Is there one that you feel is a more strong pull relative to the other or does it just kind of depend on the person? Well, and, and I think that it, yeah, it depends on the person, the person's situation. And I really think we want to, to address all of it. And that's why when, you know, in my book, I go through clean body, clean mind, clean plate, clean slate. Through I go through these different levels of it. And clean mind is part of it because we want to reduce the stress because here's the thing with skin issues, and I definitely felt this as a kid, is that skin issues definitely stress us out they 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 bother us there sometimes you know physical irritation especially if they itch or they burn or it stinks any of those kinds of issues but also the way that it looks and how it can be embarrassing stresses us out but we also know that stress aggravates skin issues it cre- it, it can cause them to flare up even more for example you know causing issues with your adrenals with your cortisol levels increased cortisol levels can increase inflammation and then that inflammation then can worsen skin problems so certainly a big part of the overall treatment that i encourage people to do to address skin issues is to address 
some of that stress, that emotional, those emotional aspects with certain things like, you know, stress management techniques like meditation, yoga, if people like to participate in that, or other ways to um, different exercises, forgiveness exercises and things to help them um, take that, you know, you know, address those stress issues and address, you know, that on a different level. I really like that you have such a well-rounded oh, wow. approach. I, I, that's so nourishing to hear that it's not just about the foods that we eat because I do think that some people come to a certain place with food and eating where they're kind of like, okay, I did it all, but I'm still having issues. So it's great to see that you do have this very comprehensive way of seeing the whole self, which which makes a lot of sense. In well, your, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, it just... It's interesting, too, because there's the food aspect, there's the environmental aspect, there's the emotional aspect, and then also what we put on our skin. And so that's the, the clean slate part of my book. And I, the reason why I think that's so important is as a naturopathic physician for many years, I approached any skin issues from an inside-out approach. And I think that that's probably 80% of helping with skin issues is the, the food and lifestyle components of it. But what we put on our skin, there's still an important aspect to that. And I realized at a certain point in my practice when I started doing more research on topically what we're putting on our skin, I realized that that's also an important piece. And you don't want to just do one without the other. And I think a lot of dermatologists will just recommend topical steroids or things um, externally without looking at that internal piece. And then a lot of holistic minded practitioners will focus just on the internal aspect without looking at what are some topical things that you can do to improve your skin. So because we've got this skin microbiome and this delicate balance and what we put on it can also impact our skin. You know, I'm so glad that you mentioned looking on the inside as well as the outside. I was just uh, teaching for the Institute for Functional Medicine detox module, and I had a whole crowd of women come up to me asking about personal care products because, yeah, yeah, I mean, our skin is our largest organ, and there's just a lot of confusion out there. I mean, we even had a dentist talking about the toothpaste, the floss, you know, what we should be doing in terms of whitening. So... I know that you've got your own skincare line, which is great that you took the time to really put together what you thought were quality ingredients rather than trying to figure it out in the marketplace and saying, okay, this is the best, but maybe it's not the ultimate. It's not the absolute highest choice. But let's just say that we are out in a health food store or we're in Whole Foods or something like that. And, you know, we're in a pinch and we need to read the label, of course, because I think it's, you would agree with this, I know, to read the label of your personal care products like you would food, right? So what are some things to avoid? Like, for example, the, the dentist that we had lecturing was telling us about SLS and the mouth and how that's not a good thing. Avoid SLS, whether it's in shampoo, toothpaste. Are there certain ingredients that you think are worse than others that we really need to keep an eye on? Absolutely. And it's definitely something that I think is is not talked about as much as it could be. And I'm so I'm glad that there are some discussions happening. It's great to hear that. Um, because, you know, if we're if we look at the United States and the amount of products that we use and personal care products, um, we on average, people use nine personal care products a day. This is according to environmental working groups, some of the studies they've, they've done. And if you're using nine different 
personal care products that exposes you to 126 unique ingredients. And the thing with that is that the United States FDA has hasn't banned ingredients or doesn't create a level of protection the way that other con- some countries have done. Like in Europe, they've banned over a thousand ingredients in personal care products, where in the United States, I think that number is around 11, where, you know, it's a huge difference in um, the ingredients that are, are watched and regulated in the U.S. So it's really up to the consumer to protect ourselves because it's not being well regulated so I'm, I'm glad that there's this discussion so certainly um, and and there is a long list and I talk a lot about this in my book clean skin from within I have a sec- section on on which ingredients to avoid and the research behind them and why and a lot of it has to do with many of these ingredients have hormone disrupting effects many of them are known as endocrine disrupting chemicals and we get exposed to these endocrine disrupting chemicals in a lot of different places in our air water, food, as well as our personal care products. So the really the biggest concern is that we're getting exposed to these in so many different places and they're gradually starting to build up in our bodies. And, and also even just acute exposure can create problems. So the more we can do to reduce our total load, our total exposure to these chemicals, the better. So I want to give some examples. I I know we don't have time to go into a lot of these, but I want to give a few examples of ones that are in a lot of products because that way it's just a good place to start. Sure. Go for it. Yeah. One of them is fragrance. Mm -hmm. And fragrance is in a a lot of products because, of course, we want to smell good. And even some of the so-called natural products that you might find in a health food store you might actually still find the word fragrance on the label. And the thing is, is that fragrance isn't actually an ingredient. It's it's a group of chemicals. It's a group of ingredients. But manufacturers don't have to list all of those ingredients on the label. They just have to put fragrance. So it's an opportunity to hide a lot of different things in there. And there are, are quite a few hormone-disrupting chemicals that could be hidden under the word fragrance. For example, diethyl phthalate is a type of, so diethyl phthalate is a type of phthalate or plasticizing agent, and it is a known hormone-disrupting chemicals, and it's used in fragrance to help the smell last longer, but the problem is it's it's a known hormone-disrupting chemical, and it does show up in human samples, uh, so we want to be careful with that. Uh, so instead of using fragrance, we can choose things that are either fragrance-free or using ones that contain essential oils because essential oils don't have that downside, don't have those those uh, those problems associated, and they also can have potential health benefits. So it's a nice alternative. I like that. Yeah, definitely. And just for the listeners, phthalate spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E. It's kind of a tricky word, but... Yeah. You would agree all phthalates, right? So when we're reading the label, it's not just diethyl. That's that's one uh, really good one to be watching for. And it's just phthalates in general. And we even find these in, in dietary supplements. I mean, they're, they're out there in healthy products. So we just need to be very aware in reading those labels. Great. Yeah, and it's so it's so true. It's, they're in so many different places. Now, you're not going to see phthalates on the labels, of personal care products. So what you'll see is fragrance. So that's one of the reasons why I tell people to avoid that 
it just gets a little bit trickier with with personal care products because of what is allowed to be labeled and what does not have to be labeled. Um, another one to to look out for are a group of chemicals called formaldehyde releasers. And again, you're not going to see formaldehyde releasers on the label. You won't see formaldehyde. What you'll see is you'll see these big long words like DMDM hydantoin, and there are a bunch of uh, other ones. So I would recommend just doing a search online for formaldehyde aldehyde releasers and these names will come up. I'm not going to even try and um, pronounce them all. Uh, but uh, when and, and you'll be surprised to see how many personal care products contain these. You just go to a store and you start pulling things off the shelf of lotions and soaps and different things. A lot of them contain these from aldehyde aldehyde releasers. So the re what happens with these is when you apply products to the skin that contain formaldehyde releasers, it releases formaldehyde into the air around you. And we know that formaldehyde is most toxic when inhaled. And we know formaldehyde is a known carcinogen. It's what's used to preserve cadavers and, um, and you know, it's certainly an ingredient we don't want to be exposed to. It also can be absorbed through the skin. So, and again, it's not an ingredient that we necessarily have to have. And I can say this because I manufacture skincare, skincare products, and I know we don't have to, we don't have to use formaldehyde releasers. We can use other ingredients to help preserve the products. We don't have to use synthetic fragrance. We can use essential oils. So I know that there are alternatives to these things. And I also know that Part of why these are used is, be, one, because they're it's not well-regulated, two, because it helps the products last longer, helps them have a longer shelf life, and it helps cut the cost of the product so that the companies can make more money. That's what it usually boils down to, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's terrible, but um, we see that across many different industries, and different industries take over things like Burt's Bees and some of these smaller brands oftentimes and there are changes in ingredients and if we're not careful these these things can happen even if we're using the product over time and then we there there is this shift from a commercial point of view we we don't always think to read the label you know I'd like to get your take on this one of my favorite I was just asked about my skincare products and I've always much like you have had issues with my skin and so I have always found that less is more and I try a number of different products to see how I do and I like to rotate because I do think that not getting stuck with any one thing can be a good thing and the one product that I really like is um, it's called Egyptian Magic and it sounds very hokey but what drew me to it was one thing that has worked very well for me on my skin is honey and this product is only I believe it's like five ingredients. It's extra virgin olive oil, it's propolis, royal jelly, beeswax, and um, oh goodness, it, it could have been, it's the, yeah, the honey obviously is kind of the, the big base and you feel that too. And I, I just feel like the, the less ingredients I have in a product, the better I do because my skin is just so sensitive and so reactive and I, I was just at this this conference, as I was mentioning, and these other ladies were saying how they use these other products. And I said, you know, for me, on, on the road when I'm traveling, I just keep it really simple uh, with this, this one product, which is, um, you know, again, you can make it from scratch. And I think that more and more people are trying to do this on their own. But then, of course, people have time constraints. We don't always have the time to sit in the kitchen and um, <laughs> be putting together honey, propolis, bee pollen and, and a bunch of extra virgin olive oil.
but yeah, I, I really like what you're saying about looking for these things and cleaning up our, our ingredients because we're essentially eating through our skin. Yeah. And I, 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 it's, I was just trying to look it up online to see all of the ingredients in there. And I, you know, if it's as simple as you say, I haven't looked at Egyptian magic in a while. If it's as simple as you say, then that's great. Um, the problem is, you know, sometimes then I'll, I'll see so many of these natural skincare companies, I'll see so, so many great ingredients and then they'll put like petrolatum, they'll put mineral oil, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, um, you know, comes from the same place as gasoline, right? So we, we, we you know, and there's some concerns about purity issues and with uh, mineral oil and petroleum products. So you know, I, I guess just do a little research, check into it a little bit, just because it has some good ingredients doesn't necessarily mean it, it doesn't have the bad ingredients. And, uh, so, and, and if something, sometimes a natural ingredient can have a long name and it's actually, it's actually not a bad thing. So it, it can be, it can be confusing. So the good news is there, I, you know, people can get my book, Clean Skin From Within, and my website, thespotdoctor.com. We've got lots of information, but there are also websites like Environmental Working Group, ewg.org, or the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics is another good one um, where you can get information about ingredients and learn more about about these things that are in products because it's certainly a lot more than what we can talk about today. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, the Egyptian magic has six ingredients, olive oil, beeswax, honey, bee pollen, royal jelly, and bee propolis. And um, yeah, the only thing I don't like about a lot of different skincare products is the fact that they're in plastic jars. It's like, oh my gosh, you had all those things right, and then now we've got the plasticizer connecting into some kind of lipid containing substance and that's usually not a very good combination right so well, um, sometimes it's a little tricky with and, and you know that I've learned way more about skincare products than I ever thought I would learn uh, I bet one of the concerns about glass is when you ship it especially you know since we're an online based company it's a lot uh, it requires a lot more to ship something it's heavier if it's in glass um, so then it becomes not only more expensive but you're using you know more resources to get the products to people. So there's there's a little bit of a compromise there and it's not always easy to get glass everything and then I do have one of our, you know, one of our products uh, when it's an oil only product it has to be in glass. And so that product we had to put in glass and we get complaints from people saying, "Well, it, you know, it breaks and I can't travel with it." And so there you know, there's never a simple simple answer for that. But I think the type of plastic probably makes a difference too. It can, it can, although I just have this thing about plastic is plastic, you know, uh, and dietary supplements now are in glass jars, darkened glass jars, so I kind of feel like, you know, we'll get there with, with skincare. I think um, there are some, a variety of different products, but yeah, I mean, you have to weigh everything, you know, what is going to work for you and how strict do you want to be with everything, you know, that's another thing too, because there is a cost for shipping and, and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, in our remaining minutes here, I'd love to, you know, you you told us about your book, Clean Skin From Within, and you told us about your website. What would be some of the, just the, I like the number three. It's a, it's a creative number and it's just a nice way to kind of remember things. It's not a long list. It's a shorter list. What would be three things that you'd want people to, to take away from 
just this the, the breadth of knowledge that you have around skincare in general. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would take it back to some of the components of my book, the, um, you know, incorporating the, the clean plate, um, eating, eating foods that are, are going to help nourish your skin from the inside out and avoiding the ones that are going to trigger inflammation and other um, issues from the inside out for your skin. Um, and then also the idea of a clean body, of, of using products that are clean and reducing the toxins in your environment, doing things to support your body um, instead that are going to help with detoxification. And, and you know, also when it comes to skincare products, um, you know, not only choosing them that are clean, but also things that are going to support the skin microbiome, which is that balance of microorganisms on the skin that actually help protect the skin. So even like the pH of products is very crucial to helping support the skin microbiome and the different ingredients that are in products can can kill off or support the skin microbiome. So those are some of some of the big things I would say to, to take away. Nice. And is there a way, are there any lab tests out there or things that we can do to get a sense of our skin microbiome? Are you aware of anything like that? There are, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing because there's more research coming out about the skin microbiome. And, and it's, and it's interesting because like the, the skin microbiome around your nose is very different from like the skin microbiome on your legs or behind your ears or on your scalp. So it really depends on what area of your skin you're trying to address. So I keep looking at the research on the skin microbiome, keep hoping for more to be coming out about ingredients that help promote it. But we do have some information now about the pH having a mild acidity for the skin that across the board with the skin that that does help support the skin microbiome and being careful with antimicrobial agents, you know, especially the pharmaceutical ones that can kill off the, the uh, skin microbiome and damage the skin microbiome instead of using more of the natural ingredients. Wonderful. Trevor, it's been a delight to talk with you, your wealth of information. And again, to repeat your book, Clean Skin from Within, I've heard a lot of good things about it. Your website is thespadoctor.com. And so we'll, we'll find you there and look into your skin products and see what you have to say in your book too. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. 